everyone. Welcome to the More with Nikki Dutton podcast. I just wrapped up the most encouraging and life-giving conversation that you're about to hear with Brandy Sellers Jackson. She is an author and her new book on thriving just released so you can find it wherever you get your books. And I am so excited to get my own copy. As soon as we ended recording, I purchased my own and I'm so excited for it to get here. So on thriving, harnessing joy through life's great labors, this book came out of Brandy's experience as a birth doula, but also as a life doula. So you'll hear us talk about some of those stories that she has gained from her experience and just some of the lessons that she's learned along the way. But I am completely confident that you are going to end this conversation and wrap up this episode feeling totally filled up and like you're ready to flourish and thrive in whatever season you find yourself. This time of year, a lot of us are setting goals and intentions or clarifying our hopes and our dreams that we have for the next year. And it's really nice to have something tangible to remind you of that important thing in your life. That is what my necklace from Resera has been for me. I wear the dot, dot, dot necklace that's a part of the Stephanie Bear collection. And it's made by Resera. And at Resera, they believe that jewelry should be meaningful. Every piece is designed with this in mind to serve as a daily reminder of important values, stories, or people in your life. Plus, you're supporting a powerful mission. At Resera, their mission is to employ and empower women survivors of homelessness and domestic violence by offering their makers a living wage, one-on-one financial counseling, food and clothing assistance, and referrals to free mental health counseling. You can find your favorite piece by visiting www.resera.com slash Nick Dutton. That's N-I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N or use promo code Nick Dutton for 15% off of your purchase when you check out. And I would love to see what you decide to buy. Brandy, I'm meeting you for the first time today. So can you introduce yourself to me and to anyone listening and also just give us a picture of what life looks like for you right now, especially because I know your first book released this week. Yeah. So my name is Brandy Sellers-Jackson. I am a birth and postpartum doula turned life doula and the author of On Thriving. Uh, And I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And I am just really excited about this book. I haven't had the chance to read it yet. So I have a lot of questions before I jump into reading it for myself. And I know one thing that we have already discussed a little bit before this recording is just like the entire writing process. And so I would love for you to take us back to the beginning of the story for where On Thriving, harnessing the joy through life's great labors started and just kind of give us a picture of what even led to writing this book and feeling like it needed to exist in the world. Yeah. So, you know, I I love plants. I think plants are just awesome and they're really pretty. Um, <laughs> they're gorgeous. So pretty. Um and, you know, at our previous home, we had so many plants, like almost 49, 50 plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I just began to, as I collected plants, because when you, when you buy one, you got to buy 50. <laughs> yeah. uh, I began to, you know, really, you know, learn so much from them. Mm-hmm. I really learned so much from them, you know, in regards to pruning and then what kind of soil you're putting your plants in and the mm-hmm. seed seedling process and, you know, germination and all these things that plants go through just to survive. And it made me really think about what 
us humans, what we go through and what we experience and how intense it can be just humaning. And what I've drawn from it is that we humans are not much different than plants. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, you know, we we have limbs and, you know, and, you know, words come out of our mouths sometimes, <laughs> yeah. you know, but that's about it. And we ha- might have a little bit more complex emotions, but for the most part, we're not much different. You know, we have a whole process a lot like plant life. Yeah. And that does scare me a little bit because I am not known to be great with plants. And so (laughs) it makes me a little scared because I mean, the best plant story that I have is that it was my birthday a couple of years ago and we had gone to a Publix just to grab a couple of things. And I saw this really beautiful plant. I couldn't even tell you the kind it is. I'm not that great of a plant person yet, but I just grabbed this like little plant, took it home, started watering it. And I think there's just this unspoken agreement between me in this plant where I water it just enough, but I also kind of forget sometimes. So it's not overwatered and it just must be in the uh, right part of the room. I don't know what it is, but this plant has just thrived. I mean, it's just going and there's so many new leaves and this and that. And so when I think about that connection between like us humans and plants, I feel a little intimidated because I don't know how to care well for plants. And I know a lot of people listening may feel like they don't even know how to care well for themselves. So how do we tap into what we need to thrive in life? Mm. I think first we need to know, one, we need to be honest with ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have been conditioned to downplay our needs when really, if we look at nature, if we look at a tree or a plant or whatever, and even animals, they are unapologetic when it comes to their needs. Um, my dog Shaka is, I mean, I, I call her my doctor uh, <laughs> because I, I only have sons, but I have, you know, I call her my doctor. And she unapologetically asks for what she needs. She will literally make me pet her. Make me. She will, and if I stop, yep, she will look at me like, yep. I have a dog scout that does the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, she'll be like, "Did I tell you to stop? I, I don't think I did. That means keep going." And she will just, she will literally just, yeah, she will, she will just be like, "Pet me, pet me," and she'll put her hand on top my hand on top of her head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Mine does the it, same thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, I had this one uh, plant that I, t- I write about in the book where it literally would stretch over the other plants. <laughs> so rude, rudely, very rudely <laughs> to get to the sun. Mm-hmm. And to the point where its leaves would provide this crazy shade underneath it to other plants. But it just literally was like, listen, I got to get to the sun. So I suggest you get to the sun because I'm going to get to the sun. Kind of what you're saying too is that, I mean, even just from taking note about the other living things around us, like we see how they unapologetically ask for what they need. And have you always been a person, has that come easy to you? Or is that something you've learned? Like what's your experience with that? (laughs) Absolutely not. And in fact, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm still learning how to ask for what I need. And what we we tell our kids, use your words. <laughs> yes. we. I'm still learning that because it's not easy. And I think I'm not the only person that's like that. I think many of us are, are like that, where we feel like we're putting someone out to ask what we need or yeah. 
we are asking too much when we ask for our basic needs. Yeah. And it has been a lot of learning and unlearning um, with that for me. Um, but no, I have not always been like that. And I'll say that it's a muscle that I'm continually learning to work. Mm. It is. I'm I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> I wrote a book about helpful. it, but it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I resonate with that. I think somewhere along the way I became, I have an amazing counselor and she's helped me to see this, but I think that yeah. somewhere along the way I became even detached from my own needs. Like I don't even really feel adept at identifying what I need. And then yeah. sometimes when I do recognize what those needs are or what those feelings are, I can make them like humbled before what anyone else needs yes. or what like feels like appropriate. And so yeah. I, I do feel like that is something that I've struggled with as well. And I'm interested to learn that in the book and just kind yeah. of get an idea of how to identify those needs, how to get more in touch yeah. with them, but then also how to approach asking people to help those needs be met or finding a way to get the the sources and the resources that I need to continue to thrive. I think that's huge. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, and it takes time. You know, I, I think when we have to show a lot of grace for, to ourselves, you know, when you've been told and taught and you've internalized that, you know, your needs aren't that important. You know, and and I don't think any of it is ever intentional. I right. don't think that for the most part. But when you've processed it as that, it takes time. Yep. It's time to unlearn it. And I think we have to give ourselves grace in that, you know, that, you know, just because you you read do the work or even that you read my book, that all of a sudden the next day you're gonna be just like a, you know, asking for your needs machine. You're not. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's going to feel weird. It's going to be feel very awkward at first. It's kind of like lifting weights, you know? You don't yeah. go in, you know, bench pressing 250, yeah. you know? You, you'd hurt yourself if you do that. You start right. off little by little, and it feels really hard. But eventually, the more you do it, the more uh, second nature it becomes. Yeah, I think that's hopeful. That feels very hopeful. Yeah. That It doesn't uh, always have to feel this way. It doesn't always have to be this way. And exactly. if I start this process and it doesn't go smoothly or it doesn't go easy, then I'm in yeah. good company. Like that is what it is to be human and to be trying to make these changes. And I can think too that I would imagine a lot of these revelations have come from your experience as a doula. And you yeah. are you have served as a doula in birth. And then you've also served as a doula, like a life doula, which I had yeah. never heard of before. I had actually only ever heard of doulas as it relates to birth. And then I had actually recently heard of a death doula, someone who kind of yeah. ushers someone through like those final days, almost through that, like hospice care kind yeah. of format. But can you help me understand what is a life doula and what are some of the stories that you're able to share from your experience as a life doula? Mm. So, you know, it it kind of started off it, a few ways. So first, you know, a, a dear, dear sister friend of mine, Aisha Hasati. I actually write about her in the book. She's amazing. Uh, very, very wise woman. Uh, we were talking, we were just kind of joking on the phone like we always do. And we were saying, wouldn't it be funny if there was a doula to like duel you through life? And I was like, girl, right? <laughs> and it kind of just stuck to me, you know, yeah. like many things she says sticks, sticks to me. And one day, you know, this, you know, little thing that we call the pandemic happened. Mm. 
you know, no big deal, just a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> that happened in 2020. And, you know, people were still having babies. Yep. Because babies don't stop coming. Right. Because <laughs> there's a pandemic. Right. And more so, people kept living because mm-hmm. life doesn't stop lifing because of the pandemic. Right. And so what, what started happening, I... I I got a few calls. I started getting these random calls. The first one being, you know, from a dear friend who had a friend. It was like, she, they just need to, they just need to talk to someone. They just had a baby, but, you know, they have a lot going on. It's a lot going on. I was like, wait, so is it postpartum? Is it birth? It's none of those things. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a mixture of postpartum and life and navigating stuff. And so I kind of started supporting that person. And then they referred me to another friend. And then, you know, before I knew it, I realized, oh, that's what a life doula is. Mm-hmm. Because all of us are giving birth to something. All of us are in transition to or from something. We're all figuring it out. And a lot like birth, life has a lot of different stages. A lot mm-hmm. like labor, life has a lot of different stages, you know, where it's it's great and it's wonderful and it's active. And then there's, you know, active labor. And then there's transition where you just are like, oh my God, this is the dumbest thing ever. Why did I do this? Uh, And then you birth what it is that you've been holding for so long. And it's such a beautiful moment, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how it came about. It was a mixture of a funny conversation and, than me realizing, oh, that's what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I saw that you had described it as supporting people through life's various transitions. And that makes so much sense to me because who doesn't need that support or that voice or just kind of that guiding, even just peaceful presence as you're making these changes and as you're making these decisions. And like you said, in the same way that birth and even the labor process, labor and delivery process have so many chapters to them, so does yeah. our life. And and some of those chapters can be unexpected. Like, um, yeah. I, I mean, I am in my early 30s and do not have any children of my own yet, but all of my friends have kind of stepped into motherhood and I'm learning that I knew nothing about how this yeah. happens, how life forms and how the pregnancy process. And then, you know, that fourth trimester that I had no idea, oh, I'd never heard that language yeah. for, had never never understood. And now that I've had friends and I've gotten to watch them navigate, you know, that fourth trimester, what happens after, you know, you give birth and are trying to heal and recover, but also step into this new chapter. I can imagine that it's similar with life. There are chapters or trimesters that you just would never anticipate that could knock you down the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty intense, you know, and it's like, how do we thrive in those spaces? Yeah, right. So how do we thrive and, and you know, not wait for joy, if that makes sense? Exactly, exactly. What are some of the themes that you see across um, everyone's lives that you've worked with? Some just common themes or stories or struggles or challenges. What are some commonalities that you've seen as a life doula? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I write about them in my book, you know, Mm. I divide the book into four sections. uh, So that's a very good question. Yes. Uh, The first one being uh, relationships. You know, I start off the book with relationships, relationships with self Mm. and with others, all the humans outside of ourselves. And that's something that I have seen and we all will see across all humans. We are all trying to figure out the relationship with ourselves yes. and then the humans outside of ourselves. It is a constant thing. And then there's, you know, uh, our mental health, you know, the past few years have been really fun and fun is the word I'm going to use so much fun, <laughs> uh, and interesting and intense for many and deeply heartbreaking for many as well. Right. right. And then you couple that with trauma that people have had in their own personal lives as well as a, as along along with the collective trauma that's a lot it's a lot going on so we're all trying to figure out our mental health you know and then there's grief you know i say you know we all hear it you know death is the great uniter mm-hmm. and all of us are going to get a seat in the grieving room all of us it doesn't matter who you are where you come from literally everyone is going to sit in that seat. And then lastly, you know, uh, the thriving while being other. And I write about that in the last section because all of us at some point find ourselves in a room where we're the only. And how do we thrive in that seat of the only where no one looks like us? No one has had our background perhaps you know, perhaps we're the only woman in this in the room, right. maybe we're a person of color, maybe we're, you know, the only, you know, gay person, maybe we're the only, you know, who, you know, there's different, you know, different body, you know, right. disabled, whatever, you know, the only older person, you know, senior, you know, person in the room, you know, there, none of us will actually be exempt from that. Mm-hmm. There will be a time where for the most part, many of us, if not most, I will say most, we'll sit in a room and we're like, who, okay, so I'm the only, how do I thrive in this yeah. space? Yeah. yeah. And so I really tried to think of four, four, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Four labors is what I call them, but four labors where none of us are exempt. We're going to all experience it for the most part. And how how do we thrive and find our joy in those spaces? And I think those are the things, the commonalities that I found in my birth clients, postpartum clients, and in life doula. Here at the start of the new year, we all have these goals that we want to accomplish over the next 12 months. Maybe that's in our home or our work or in our relationships. And a really great way to set yourself up for success in any of the goals that you're trying to accomplish is to have a coach. And I cannot think of a better coach than Brad McDonald and the Pattern Talent team. If you haven't heard of Pattern Talent, it is a purpose-driven consulting firm focused on designing transformations that develop leaders. So what this looks like is individuals can receive receive one-on-one group coaching, and companies and teams are offered a tailor-made toolkit that's delivered through coaching, consulting, teaching, and training. And the whole heartbeat of Pattern Talent is to serve individuals and companies wherever they are at on their leadership journey who have that desire and commitment to become the leader that they are capable of being. Leadership affects every area of our life, and we all would love to step into that leader that we're capable of being. And Brad and the Pattern Talent team can help you do that in 2020. 
2024. You can find out more at patterntalent.co or email them at hello at patterntalent.co. And here's a cool thing. For the listeners of this podcast, you can get 10% off of a six-month coaching agreement using the promo code Nikki Dutton. That's all caps and no spaces, Nikki Dutton for 10% off of a six month coaching agreement at patterntalent.co. I mean, I can identify myself in all four of those portions, you know, already. And one huge one and a very specific one that I wanted to talk about with you today is that when I think about that grief, portion. Um, you know, everyone's experience is different, but like you said, we will all have a seat in that room at some point. And I lost my father, um, in 2018 and he was only 51 years old. So it was so sudden, so young. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awful. Like there's just no, it was terrible. It was an awful thing. And then, um, even more, recent than that, my husband and I, I mentioned we don't have kids of our own at this time. And that's because in the last two years, as we've started that process to become parents, we've been pregnant twice and we've miscarried twice at this point, um, which is also awful. Like there's just no thing to say really. Um, And we're still waiting. We're still waiting to add children to our family. And that has been a whole process. And in the same way, where I'm learning so much about just the pregnancy process and the birth process. Um, It's been remarkable to see how many people resonate with our story because we decided to be open about what we were experiencing with each of our pregnancy losses on social media. And that wasn't to make an example of ourselves or be any kind of thing. It Honestly, yeah. was a little bit just because we have people all over the world and it was kind of an easy way to just update everybody at once. And it felt weird yeah. for people not to know and not know how to engage with us. So we just shared it. And what I didn't anticipate from that were all the DMs and the text and the mm-hmm. phone calls and the conversations yeah. of yeah. other people saying, yeah, this is happening to us right now, or this just happened to us, or we've never said anything about this. And so I know that you have a story as well. And I just wondered if you would be willing to share that and just kind of even help us see how that fits into this work that you've just released. Yeah, yeah. So one, thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. Your, your, your miscarriage and your pregnancy loss. I, my heart breaks every time I hear yeah. that, you know, because I've, I've been there and it sucks. It does. It absolutely sucks. Um. It's heartbreaking. And, you know, m- many people don't know what to say. Right. To that. They don't know what to say. And so many people say the wrong thing. And yeah. they say things like, <laughs> you know, you can always try again. And it's like, yeah, yeah. just, you know, that's not the thing to say. <laughs> not the thing to say. Exactly. Uh, or, you know, well, you know, th- you know, they come with these like meta- metaphysical things of, you know, yes. well, the plan. I'm like, that sounds nice. Yeah. But, <laughs> Just, just say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or is there anything that you need? Or right. uh, would you like me to bring you a meal? Right. I think those are great starters. Right. Um, Agreed. You don't have to fix it. And you don't, you can sit with someone in the grief if you yeah. want. Yeah. And you don't have to explain it. You don't have to oh. give me any explanation yeah. <laughs> of like yeah. why this happened. Why this or, happened. Yes. And I don't know why people feel like they need to, because they yeah. do. They do. Right. They always like, for the most part, many people, not always, but many right. people try to like, well, you know, there's always a, a, a plan or there's always, I'm like, just 
Mm-mm. Nope. Don't yeah. do it. You yeah. know, it's, it's tough. It's really heartbreaking. It is. Um, I, you know, I went through two miscarriages. My first uh, was the catalyst for my work, actually. Uh, I started my blog uh, a year after, I believe, um, my miscarriage. And it was one of those things, you know, I had already had a healthy pregnancy, had a baby, and I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think that right. was a possibility for me, to be honest. Like, right. many people don't. Even though it's very common. And I had a miscarriage and it just rocked me. And it was one of those things where it was excruciating and it was weeks of bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. I know the physical aspect is brutal. (laughs) It's awful. It's so brutal. And people don't talk about that either. I think. And so because of that, many people don't know what to expect. Right. Um, Many people don't know what to expect. They don't know what's gonna happen and they're just kind of left with this thing of Mm -hmm. that no one's talking about it feels so mysterious yeah 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 Yeah. that's exactly what it feels like and so Mm. you know uh that was my first miscarriage started the blog because of that very reason I wanted to undo the mystery around it yeah and stop adding to this thing of, well, we're not going to say it out loud because there are so many people that go through this and all of us are just sitting in our own little cubbies suffering alone. And that, that just should not be like that. And so that was the catalyst for my blog, not so private parts. And then, uh, after that, you know, I had another miscarriage right after and, Mm -hmm. and that situation, and that, experience was a lot different than the first, to be honest. The yeah. First- can you like talk that, about that? Because I felt that as well. I mean, the first one's just blindsided. Yeah. You're like, I don't know yeah. what's going yeah, on. And then also you're kind of like, well, if, you know, people rattle off all these statistics. So you think, okay, well, maybe yeah. I just did my time. You know what I mean? Check that box. I'm good to go. Uh, yeah. You know, that stat won't happen to me again because of X, Y, Z. So what was it like when you had that second miscarriage? The second one, you know, the first one, I will say, like I said, it was weeks of bleeding. Yeah. It was weak and it was agonizing and a lot of me pleading yeah. for my body to hold this baby yeah. and pleading with the baby to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the second one, I think I had done a lot of work by that time where... I kind of, I kind of knew by that time that this is beyond me and this baby staying or not is beyond me. And so I gave myself, I remember giving myself permission to release and let go. Mm. And that was really hard to do, but it was definitely easier to do than the first time. Yeah. And what I did, I remember... I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a Saturday and I was just talking to my body. And I remember talking to my baby and saying, I really want you to stay. Yeah. But if you can't stay, then it's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And I remember saying that with tears streaming down my face. And, but I meant it. I really meant it because I think by that time, I just realized that this is not, 
it's not about me. It's not anything that I'm doing wrong. It's not anything that I'm doing right. It's it's something that is made of the magic that is so, that's made of us, right? It's like, how do yes. you define humanness? How do you define us? And it's hard. It's hard to define us because we're so complex and we're so wonderful and magical and great and, and weird and all that, right? And I think by that time, I just kind of got to a place where this is the kind of otherworldly that I have no say in. As is life, really. Like, I have no say in this. And so I just talked to my baby and I said, I would love for you to stay. But if you can't stay, it's okay. It's okay. And then I miscarried shortly after. Yeah. And it was so interesting because I I really believe that my body and baby, you know, said baby, I think also heard me very loud and clear. Mm-hmm. And I gave my body the, I think in that moment, I, re, I realized the power of release. Like it's okay to, to let, let it go. Yeah. Like let it go, let it go. Mm-hmm. You know? I resonate with that. And I appreciate you sharing that with so much detail and just with so much, um, I think, raw emotion as well. And I am not surprised because obviously from not so private parts, that is your goal. Your goal is to speak openly and to speak directly about these things. Um, And I appreciate that for so many reasons. And I also appreciate it because that was similar to my second loss. I felt a very different sense of peace and like settled in that second one. And it's not that I was, you know, not caring as much or that I was um, numb to it. I mean, it wasn't that necessarily. I think there just was a little bit more of a reckoning that was there. Um, And also I think a little bit less innocence, which is sad. (laughs) I wish that, you know, I envy and love my friends who have had just um, positive pregnancy after positive pregnancy and, you know, that it's just been easy. Um, but I've even spoken about that with some of my friends who have had losses that you lose that innocence a little bit. You lose that ignorance a little bit and not ignorance in a heavy handed way. I don't mean that at all, but, um, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 You just kind of, you're a little bit more aware. And so when it starts to happen for the second time, um, I just think I wasn't as blindsided by it. And I don't know, there was something in my spirit, something in my soul, something in my faith, something in my circumstances that made me feel, like I said, just a bit more settled. Um, so even you talking about that release, I can really resonate with that. Um, and like we both said, there's really not a great explanation about any of it. So, I mean, I still sit here a year out or more from both of those losses, and I don't have any better explanation now than I had then. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I've just been really blown away by the amount of women who have had this experience or who are currently right. experiencing this. And it truly spans the gamut of um, background, socioeconomic status, Absolutely. like health, uh, body type. I mean, it's crazy. It's really, it's really uh, sporadic is what it seems. It seems to have no rhyme or reason to it. Exactly. No, it's, 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 it's so beyond that. And it's, 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 it touches us all. Yeah. And I wish 
would talk about it. I really do. I do too. And I want to just ask one more thing um, in relation to this conversation before I ask the final question. But like I said, I'm, I'm learning so much about the body and birth and motherhood and pregnancy. And even right now, my social media feed is full of pregnancy announcements. Everybody's pregnant right now, um, yeah. which is like, you know, of course that has its happy aspects to it. And then it has kind of those, those days that it stings. But yeah. I also have seen that you founded something called Moms in Color. And yeah. I want to admit, I don't know a lot about the challenges that Black mothers are facing or often encounter. So I wondered if you would just take a little bit of time to help me learn more about that and even just share about Moms in Color. Yeah. So Moms in Color is a uh, Black mom collective that we uh, created, co-created, um, along with my co-creators, uh, Kelly McKnight, uh, Ashley Chia, Christina Brown, mm -hmm. um, and Candace Montgomery and Amber, Amber Aaron. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it was such a need when it was mm -hmm. created, uh, because we were finding that, we were, it was weird. You know, we were finding that we would come to the, go to these events, these mom events, and we were constantly being invited, being invited, being invited, being invited. And it was almost as if they had this like Rolodex for black moms um, and they would invite the same ones. Hmm. And there was little to no diversity, you know? Hmm. And the thing about it is this, you know, no one wants to be a token. No. Nobody, nobody no. wants, it feels weird. It's, it's not cool. No, And, you know, when we would go in these spaces, that's what it felt like. It's like, okay, and we're here and we're here to, to fulfill this quota. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, there needs to be a space created for these kind of, uh, where moms, black moms, brown moms can come into a space and not wonder if they are filling a token quota. Yeah. Where they feel safe. And... It's, it's, it feels okay. I'll never forget. I went to one event and it was interesting because while I'm there, I'm, and this was years ago, this was years, years, years ago. Uh, I, oof, I think my middle child who's now eight was mm -hmm. a baby then. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you can, it, it was a while ago. <laughs> You're like, you can do the math. It was a bit ago. <laughs> it was a while ago. He's eight now he was definitely like a hip baby. He was on my mm -hmm. hip. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was me and the middle and then the oldest who at that time was only like nine years old, who's now 17. And we went there and to this event and we're there. And I remember it was a while, you know, it was, it, it was a while away from our house. And as we're leaving to go back home, because it was like an hour away. The thing about California is like you could go an hour yes. away somewhere. Yes. And still be in California. Yes. <laughs> or still be in technically Los Angeles. Yeah, I was going to say still be hour. in your county. Yeah. Yeah. You're still in Los Angeles, although you're like an hour and a half away. It's yeah. very weird. And so, um, you know, it was about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minute drive back home. And I remember just being like, Hey, grab some snacks from the little catering area. Let's go. Let's get ready to go. And as we're going there, it's interesting because the woman who was catering it, it's interesting because she was like, you could tell 
it was it was weird. You could tell that she was very much so assuming things about mm-hmm. my black boys. Mm-hmm. And my son, my, my oldest at that time, he's nine at that time, he's now 17, goes up and he's like, you know, she's like, do you want to build a rainbow with your food? And, you know, and he's like, mm, I want this, this, and this. Yeah. Like, I want to build a rainbow. He's like, not really. <laughs> and, and just so you know, he's very straightforward. He's <laughs> always been that way. But it's somewhere in there, it was just very like the way she spoke to him was very condescending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Jax is that kid. Don't do that with him. Yeah. Like <laughs> he, he's always been able to read that very mm-hmm. well. So as we're leaving, he goes back up to get the food so we can go. And uh, she she either looked at me or looked at him. No, she looked at me. And she said, oh, here you go. And I was like, oh, what is this for? And she said, oh, that's for the other one. And what she was referring to was the other black mom. Oh. And she, it was one of those things where, you know how you say the things that you're thinking out loud and she yes. didn't realize that yes. it out loud. Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. I was like, wow, you said that out loud. The other one. Got it. Cool. Wow. Yeah. I wow. was like. Give me my strawberries and let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you're like, and I'll take a second dose at that. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, that was my cue right there. It's like yeah. something, something's got to change. Yeah. Need spaces where we don't have to think about that and we don't right. hear things like that. Like, oh, the other one. Yeah. I mean, that's shocking. It, it's shocking yeah. to hear, but it must be common if that's the experience that you're having and if you're not seeing many other moms feeling comfortable in these spaces. And it has to be so much more common than it is not. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. After a while, you kind of are like, wow, this is, this is something. Wow. Wow. And so what does moms in color look like right now? Like what is that space like here in 2024? You know, it's funny because, you know, we have, we're such, we're very busy. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that. (laughs) Bunch of women. Yes. Um, We had our, we, we have been planning and planning and planning another uh, annual conference like we've done every year from 2018. Yep. Until 2020. Right. But it's been some years since we've actually had an in person conference again. And it's just mm-hmm. that we're all very busy. We have some, you know, business owners. We have someone who's a business owner. You know, I wrote, writing I was a book. Say, you just wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. Right. There was someone who, you know, did a skincare line, someone who works for the Atlantic, you know, babies, like all books. It's just a lot. It's yeah. a lot. So yeah. it's been a while, but okay. you know, we all know that as soon as we you know, do another conference, it's going to sell out. Like it always Oh, completely. Happens. Yeah, All completely. So it's one of those time. things, stay tuned, stay tuned, and there will be something ahead exactly. for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, good. Well, in the last couple minutes that I have with you, I want to kind of go back to On Thriving. We've been talking about some of life's great labors in the last couple minutes, but I want to yeah. hone in on just that first part, harnessing joy. And I would love to hear what are some tips that you have for cultivating joy? Maybe if we're facing some grief, some other, some, you know, 
just labor, some hardship in life, or if we're just in a new year and we're just trying to add more joy into our days, how would you give us some tips on what that could look like? Hmm. I would say first, um, again, know what you, go after the thing that you want. Yeah. And what you need. Ask yourself though, what is it that I need to thrive in the space that I'm in? And it might be simple. Sometimes we complicate it. A lot of times we complicate it. Less is more. Mm -hmm. It's true. Sometimes we think we need more than what we need. And a lot of times the answer is right here in front of us and in us. That would be the first thing. Look inward, look inward. And then once you have those answers, begin to look outward and see what are my resources? What are my resources for my thriving? What's my sunlight? What's my water? You know, what's my fertilizer? Hmm. What's my soil? What are those things that are going to give me the nutrients that I need? And then go after those things unapologetically, you know? And I mean, that's, that's what I would say. Those things, if that makes yeah. sense at all, you know? Oh, absolutely. Identify, identify the things that you really need. And a lot, and I use, like I said, I use plant um, analogies because to me, I feel like it simplifies it. I think so. It simplifies it in such a wonderful way where it's, it literally just comes down to our needs, you know? And so what is your sunlight? What is the thing that brings you that light and, and, and lights you up on the inside? What is that thing that waters you and nourishes you? What is that? What does that look like for you? And, and know that too, that it changes from every season. Yeah, that's good. So identify the season that you're in. Like, what is the season that I'm in right now? Is it a season of you know, planting where I'm just, you know, I'm planting seeds, I'm planting seeds. That's the season I'm in. Or is it the season of watering? I'm just watering the seeds that I planted. I'm watering, I'm watering. Or is it the seed of, is it the season of harvest where I'm harvesting everything that I've planted? Identify what season you're in. That's another thing I do talk about in the book because I think a lot of us, we get those, we're, we're thinking we're supposed to be like harvesting when really we're supposed to be planting right now. Right. And vice versa, you know? And it's like, we get frustrated with ourselves because it's looking one way and we think it should look another. Mm -hmm. Identify the season that you're in and give yourself what you need to grow in that season. Mm. I think that's so good. And I think that that's pertinent to obviously anyone. It starts with identifying where you're at and what your season looks like. And then what are the things, the nutrients, the sources that you need in that place? And that can really help joy to sprout up regardless of what type of season you're in. I love that. I love that. It's based on the individual. I think we compare too much. Yeah, I agree. It's like, you know, you don't see trees looking at other trees like, well, you look taller than I do. Well, that's an oak tree. And and this is a sequoia. Mm. (laughs) So- she thinks going to happen, you know? Exactly, exactly. You know, it's totally different soil. I mean, it's totally different. It's a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah. A you completely know? different so, ecosystem. Yeah. So mm-hmm. find out what it is that you need, what you need to thrive, you know, and go with that. I love that. And I mean, I, I think that's where we leave the conversation because I think it's just so clear. 
and it's so compelling. And so I just appreciate you taking so much time with me and for offering all of this insight and what you've learned and those thoughts that have been kind of ruminating in your life. I just appreciate you offering them so generously to us. So thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, so here are the next steps that you can take to become friends with Brandy. You can follow her on Instagram at bstereo, and I have that linked in the show notes here. You can also find that blog and that community that we were talking about, Not So Private Parts, as well as Mom and Color. Uh, Both of those are linked below. And then Without a doubt, you have to buy yourself and maybe your friend a copy of On Thriving, Harnessing Joy Through Life's Great Labors, available wherever you find your books. And maybe even if you walk into your favorite bookstore, you will see it on the shelf in the wild. But this book is gorgeous and the content is stunning. And so I'm excited to dive in myself. 